Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Teryuktena, and today we'll be looking at soul books as experiential learning rather than an intellectual pursuit. There are a great many oxymorons in modern culture. In the various standardized languages we now speak, we have terms for things which are full of irony and sarcasm, such as military intelligence, political action committee, and unbiased journalism, etc. But there are some things we are too embedded in. We take too much for granted to see them in the oxymoron category. One of these is oral history. There are very few cultures left which are actually oral, having no written element and relying on storytellers, elders, and memory keepers to tell them who they are, where they come from, and where they're headed. Those which do exist are very small, relatively cut off from the rest of the world, and always in danger of being consumed and subsumed into the literate culture, the culture of the written word. For most of us, what we have left of our oral culture roots are the written remains, like a fall leaf which looks like lace because only the veins remain of what was vibrant and a part of the whole. We revere our ancient history and try to hold it close, while at the same time imprisoning it in books and movies and TV. History is a dead thing we look at through glass and we peer at like a bug in amber. This is something I was reminded of again while studying Kabbalah. The oral as well as literary traditions are very much a part of the spirituality of Judaism. However, as respectful as they are towards their oral history, they are respectful through having written it down in the Talmud, which has become one of their most foundational texts. Oral teachings still exist, but at the family and small community level, and within the context of a literary culture. My own people struggle to survive and thrive in both worlds, respecting and keeping alive our oral traditions and culture, keeping this separate from the outside world while having our own syllabary, or alphabet, and written language. We use this to educate our children, thereby keeping in sync with literate culture and the outside world. This is an uneasy alliance, a difficult road to walk with one foot in one way of living and one in the other. But the struggle within myself to bridge both ways of being has helped me to understand and adapt to working in the Akashics, because oral history is an oxymoron. Oral culture does not exist in linear time. Oral cultures do not value the hard codifying of then versus now versus later. In oral cultures, everything is now. This is not to say there is a misunderstanding of time passing, or seasons, or sunrise and sunset. Oral is not a synonym for idiocy, but the relevance of these things how they are experienced, how they are connected is very different. In oral cultures, the past means 
before, not now, and yet becomes now when spoken of, like pinning two pieces of cloth together to make a whole garment, thinking of something which has happened before, talking about it, using experience or knowledge which has been imparted to a person, makes the past come alive again. In Native American tribes, we speak of the seven generations before us and the seven generations that come after us when considering choices and actions. Not because this is a good idea or a great theory and a rule of thumb we can use like the golden rule to get the best result. Not because we're more spiritual and connected than others but because we're acknowledging and invoking our connection with those people, those generations, in this now. When we speak of them, they are here, with us, in this moment, because time is irrelevant and yet completely present and active. In invoking this connection, all of us line up like a syzygy or planetary alignment, and create a moment of power which fills the world, making it stop and take notice just for this now, for this instant, and yet for all of them. The Akashics is like this in general, and the principle is easiest to see when working with a soul book. Very little in a soul book is linear or single cause and effect. Everything is interconnected, intertwined, rich and filled with meaning from every direction, serving many purposes which all connect to the one person in a multiplicity of ways. There are a few places where things are linear in a soul book, and they're related specifically to time. Past lives are presented in the book in chronological order. The opportunity map pours forth from the beginning of the embodied life and continues on to projected end in a baroque, complicated pattern, but discernibly directed and linear nonetheless. And for all its cross-referenced, indexed, interwoven interactivity, the current life section does move from birth to projected end of life, which is one reason I can navigate through the information once I know what the current linear now of the client is and identify that specific point in the book. But these limited ways are really the only thing linear about soul books. Things are not literate in the Akashics the way we experience literate expression. While soul books look like books, they are oral narratives of a soul who exists outside of time. They are the ongoing story being told by the soul themselves, who uses time as one small part of the drama to express all they have to tell of who they are, why they are, and what they are becoming. So things in a soul book are constantly in motion like thousands of small movie screens, playing movies which are all scenes in one large drama in so many formats and styles the mind boggles. People ask me to see what they should do next about this, that, or the other, I look at a book which is a magical storybook of illuminated pages scrolling options like vines growing at high speed, 
each unfolding blossoms which bloom along the way, showing opportunities and possibilities. Winding through this are the what-ifs and the should-haves and the are-we-done-yets, all in movement, all finding their place in an ever-shifting tapestry. Each individual soul book comes into being the moment of creation. It keeps a record of all things concerning the soul. During the early beginnings of the soul, the majority of its records are what come to be section 3 in a maturing soul's book, or the record of its true nature. Each soul is unique in personality, aptitudes, preferences, and tendencies. These are noted along with its interactions with others. Souls learn the culture of symbols. Symbols are not just forms or concepts or a means of communication. They are beings, entities in their own right with history and free will and abilities of their own. Symbols can be used to create, to deconstruct, to educate, to facilitate travel and bridge worlds. They are beings that operate in very different ways from those who choose bipedal or quadrupedal life forms. They existed prior to humans and do not seek to experience life as embodied beings the way that others do. They seek experience through fractalization and holography. Each iteration of the symbol contains the whole of its being no matter how many times it is created or how many exist at any given moment. And each iteration adds to the whole, creating an ever larger, richer, more developed being. Yet each individual iteration of the symbol is unique and exists within its own context, experiencing its own unique existence. These beings live in harmony with us, support us, and work with us to create ever-evolving harmonies that co-create the universe. Souls are taught the difference between thought forms, creation, and conscious existence. In a realm where thoughts are energy, and therefore manifest as form, that dissolve once the thought has concluded and the thinker has moved on, a distinction has to be learned between temporary thought forms and existing forms which are unaffected by thought. For example, souls can appear in forms that represent concepts or that aid communication, such as when speaking to a newly reintegrating soul. Beings that have already returned may take on the image of their most recent incarnation, which is recognizable to the returning loved one. This is not their true form, and dissolves as soon as the need for recognition and reassurance is met. It's a thought and a feeling that recreates the loving bond between individuals and changes as easily as the next thought occurs. It is a temporary form that is not self-sustaining. Creating actual forms that retain matter, which fit into ecosystems, and which are adequately adapted to consciousness is quite a different process. Those who journey consciously to the Akashics find the distinction between thought forms and conscious existing forms rather startling at times, as they must become reacquainted with this form of existence. Our teachers and guides utilize thought forms to help us understand message and to reacclimate us to this kind of communication. 
We are therefore most aware of the surprising familiarity of beings, items, and places that we experience there, as they can be made to appear as recognizable beings and items from this life. We also quickly become aware of our own skills at perception, which makes what we experience have a dreamlike quality as images change, expand, fill in, morph, and become from visit to visit. Yet what can be most startling is the realization that the majority of what is being seen and experienced is not thought form, but consciously existing forms. Architecture, geography, beings are not just there for us, but for all, and all who journey there experience them. The Akashic Library exists for all, and while it is immense and therefore personal experience of it may vary, it exists as a static structure available to all, and its form and functions do not change over time, nor are they influenced by individuals who experience them. The same can be said for the Temple of Life. Free will exists for them as well, and this is the learning that all souls take on as their first lesson in creation. Created forms cannot be changed by thought. Wishes do not truly create buildings, and dreams do not change a being's true nature. Each being, each creation, has its own soul, its own suchness, and lives by its own rules of becoming. The act of creation, creating a new form, takes specialized skill and training that only some undertake to learn. Animating that creation is the purview of souls as each of us is experiencing through the act of embodiment. Each soul learns to differentiate between thought forms and consciously existing forms such as the Akashic Library, and to discern the nature of creation. And this is just a broad sampling of what general soul education entails. The third section of a soul book records this education, the soul's progress, and also information on whom the soul becomes as a result of this education. Through choices and experiences, aptitudes are honed into skills, interests become study focuses, personality traits blossom into essences and guiding principles. Some souls show an interest in academic study that might lead them to seek a position as a librarian. Others might have an affinity for supporting a certain type of existence, such as geological forms, mountains, tectonic plates, planetary systems, suggesting that they might do well to study the works of Devis. Others might be drawn to work directly with Akashic forms, such as angelic beings that help sustain Akashic thought energy forms, or draconic beings that create and maintain the ability for matter to change and grow and become. No aspect of the numinous exists or persists without the interaction of awakened souls in any and all of their forms. The Soul Book notes the affinities of the soul as to what brings them the most joy and allows them to excel and be to the greatest extent possible. All education in the Akashics is experiential. As telepathic, interconnected beings, very little learning can be exclusively intellectual. Our thoughts and our actions and our emotions are all one, and so what we think comes into being as we think it and our feelings are physical forms that can be and are experienced by others as they occur.
But thoughts and emotions are mercurial, and therefore hard truths, difficulties, and struggles can be smoothed in an instant. Yet our greatest learning comes through adversity. Many souls choose to take their education further by physically embodying a form in a prescribed environment designed for that form. The soul can then fully experience that being allowing free will, choice, and chance to affect the outcome of their existence and disallow easy resolutions or answers. Where we are taught to experience then and now and someday, soul books don't use such arbitrary divides on existence but instead see relationships, correlations, choices and actions, emotions and manifestations, will and prana and movement and sound all interacting to create our now, which is eternal even as it is finite. Our soul books are the records of who we are, but they are not static texts, cold things which freeze moments in time so they never live again. They are living documents which dance with the music of the spheres and sing the song which is us. They are forever now in a universe without end. In order to experience fully our soul books, we need to begin to release our need to hold firm to a literate understanding of the world, to information on the page, to data which we can consume and therefore use to control our world, but instead open up to experience ourselves without restrictions, to surrender ourselves and in doing so find ourselves. Discovering we are more than the sum of our history, that we are living our history, our now, and our tomorrow in this moment, and they are all one and all connected, that we are the central point of our becoming, and our choices are one note in the symphony of our lives, which can empower us to live fully, perhaps for the first time. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing how the Akashics can allow us to experience shape-shifting or being our totems rather than just working with them. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.